0: Good morning, Tuolumne Community Baptist Church and my podcast listeners. This is Pastor George down in the church office getting ready for Sunday service. Uh, This is uh, November 15th, and uh, we are looking forward to a wonderful service. But before I get there, I wanted to talk to you for a little bit and apologize. Uh, Last week, I wasn't at church, and I do my podcast, and I record the whole thing off my cell phone, and You know, my cell phone was home with me, and and so the service didn't get recorded. The reason that I was home is it's all my wife's fault. Uh, She's a substitute teacher out at Columbia Elementary as one of the schools that she uh, subs at. And one of her kids came down with a positive test of COVID. So we had to self-quarantine for a couple of weeks, Uh, went in and got her tested, come back negative. Praise God, we're fine. There was no contamination. I think the school's doing a really good job at sanitizing everything. Um, So anyway, here we are. We had to sit home uh, for one Sunday, but between the two weeks we got our 14 days and I'm back today. Praise God. So glad to be back. We're going to continue on with our sermon series, The Kings of Babylon. Today we're looking at one that's entitled The Deception of Pride. I, I hope you see the the correlation between each of these service uh, sermons we're talking about pride and we all deal with it whether we like to think that we do or not we all do so this is going to be a great message we're going to be looking at the third king Darius Um, he's a very interesting character and and I think that um, I hope that God will show you something about your own life through this God bless you I hope you enjoy the message We should be uh, getting ready to go here in just the next few minutes. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for all that you do do. God bless you. Good morning, church. Are you ready for the word of God? We have been in a sermon series that I have just, uh, I have fallen in love with the study. The King of Babylon's is what it's titled, and why am I there? I'm not ready yet. The Pride of Deception is a, the title of the message, and this king, we're going to be looking at King Darius, very interesting guy, and we're going to see how God has moved through him, and the thing that's difficult, because I wasn't here last week, this one was done, because this was supposed to be brought to you last week, so I've been studying for number four all week long, which is King Cyrus, which is kind of the, I'm so excited, I want to preach on King Cyrus, I can't wait to get to Cyrus, and I've got him in my head. Because that's what I've been studying all week. So last night I sat down and thought, okay, I've got to put all that away. And I've got to get back into this message for this week. Um, so pray for me that I'm able to do that. And not throw in the other one right in the middle. We're, 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 the title of this message is The Deception of Pride. You guys have kind of seen in this series where I'm going with this. It's been all about pride. You realize pride is the enemy's most effective, deceptive deceptive tool. But you don't have to fall for it. Walk in humility. Swallow your pride. Oh, easy, pastor, to say. Well, if you don't, it may swallow you. Admit that you can't see without God. We have to admit that. That without him we are nothing. Satan and his followers were cast from heaven because of pride. He thought that he should be higher than the most high God. I'm going to look that way once in a while so I can see if I've got the right thing up. Isaiah 14, 12 says, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations for you have said in your heart i will ascend this might be more difficult than i thought i will ascend into heaven i will exalt my throne above the stars of god i will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the highest sides of the north you see the i will problem here this was satan And God cast him down. He says, I will ascend from the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. God said, you shall be brought down to hell, to Sheol. There we go. This might not work, Tony. The lowest depths of the pit. And he is a liar. (laughs) Trying to run it all myself here. Okay, we are in week three of this series, and I'm just going to jump right in at the very beginning. I'm just going to say it. I'm going to make you mad right out the gate. When you walk in pride, you're most like Satan. When you walk in pride, oh, you'll say, oh, I'm not prideful. Oh, yeah? Wait till you hear some of this. Another way to say it, maybe this will impact you even more, walking in pride is satanic. It's satanic. Well, Pastor, how can you say that? Well, if you understand what the word of satanic means, it means characteristic of Satan. And pride has been tripping us up from the very beginning of time. Now we're going to look at Daniel chapter 6 and look at this next king. But we're also going to look around a few other places. So point number one, pride opens the door to deception. Pride opens the door to deception. Anytime you're thinking more highly of yourselves than you ought to, you're opening, operating in pride. But here's something else that causes us to walk in pride, and we don't think about this. Insecurity. Insecurity is the root to all pride, and it allows deception to creep in. Insecurity lurks in every one of us. I know because I speak from my own experience. I used to say this, how can I lead a church when I can barely read? What about a college degree? I don't have one. Trying to keep up with someone else in ministry, trying to keep up with them. This is where pride began in me. Believe me when I say God will always correct his children when we walk in pride. Why? Why would he do that? Because pride will destroy us. Pride will destroy us. God does not want us to be destroyed. Most people think that the Bible says pride becomes before a fall. Well, you're absolutely wrong. It doesn't say that. It says a haughty spirit before a fall. I'll read it for yourself. It's Proverbs 16:18. Eight, that pride sets us up for destruction. And God doesn't want us to be destroyed. So God is always going to reprimand us. God is always going to do his very best to try to correct us before allowing us to continue on in pride. For me, insecurity in myself, and I think we're going to see this a little bit in King Darius. I'm going to read today, this this message today is out of the Living Translation, the Living Bible. And I just happened to be reading in it, and I liked it, so I put it in. So we're going to go to right now to Daniel. Chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Darius divided the kingdom into 120 provinces, each under a governor. Now understand, Darius was a pretty wise leader. He understands delegation. He can't do it alone. And I appreciate that about him. I mean, he, he put all these people in place to run his kingdom. Darius was a Mede. Mentioned here in this king of Babylon. He was between Belshazzar and Cyrus now you got to understand if you're if you're studying this this isn't the same Darius as Darius the great there's another Darius that comes along a little later on this isn't him this is Darius the Mede and again another reference to this ruler it's it's in Nehemiah and others that's talking about Darius the great so verse 2 it says the governors were accounted were accountable to three presidents daniel was one of them daniel was one of them so the king could administer to the kingdom effect- effectively verse three it says daniel soon proved himself more capable capable than the other presidents and governors for he had great ability we know that that was from god amen he had incredible ability and, and we're going to talk about why and the king began to think of placing him over the entire empire as his administrative officer pretty amazing stuff this made the other presidents and governors very jealous and they began to searching for a fault in the way daniel was handling his affairs so they could complain to the kingdom about him but look at this but they could not find anything to criticize he was faithful and honest and made no mistakes he was faithful and honest how would you like to have that in your year in review man that's what I want I've been asking these guys for review review and they haven't given me one I wanted to say that I was faithful and honest and made very few mistakes that's just incredible to me so verse 5 they concluded our only chance is his religion isn't that just like Satan? The only way we can get to, get to him is to attack his God, attack his religion. So it goes on to verse 6 they decided to go to the king and say, King Darius, live forever. We presidents and governors and counselors want to make sure we're on the right place and deputies we unanimously decided that you should make a law irrevocable under any circumstance that for the next 30 days anyone who asks a favor of God or man except from you your majesty you shall be he shall be thrown to the lions did you see the lie did you see the lie? How deceptive it is. Daniel was one of these governors. He didn't agree with this, but they said here, all of us agree. This is how we should do it. So Darius now is considering this. He's thinking, and, and they're pumping him up. Hey, nobody's higher than you. Nobody's greater than you. You are the majesty. You are the one. You're higher than God. They just, they blew his head up so big that he couldn't see himself turn around. And it was all based on a lie see this is how satan does his very best to try to deceive you well you know i'm just not happy in my marriage we don't match what we're different really you're different it's called male and female absolutely you're different what how can you say that you're going to leave this woman or leave this man because you guys are different it just doesn't make any sense i lost my place over here this is too much going on i can tell you that right now (laughs) all right so where am i at bottom at seven so we the presidents and governors and deputies have unanimously decided and we know that that was the lie that was where they were decepted that's where they used to deceive him they said they unanimously decided that was a lie we know that was a lie sometimes a half truth but nevertheless a lie satan takes us into bondage by getting us to believe a lie i'm going to repeat that satan takes us into bondage by getting us to believe a lie okay verse 8 it says your majesty we request your signature on this law sign it that it cannot be canceled or changed it will be the law of the medes and the persians that cannot be revoked understand darius is a mede persians were the ones who really held control so by signing this law it puts him way up there this law cannot be disputed by the persians or the medes we're going to sign it into law it's going to be crazy i believe darius here was dealing with some insecurity himself the persians were the power this made king darius look like the great general that he was Insecurity always leads to deception. I believe because of he was insecure that he wasn't a Persian by birth. And he was easily deceived into signing this law, something that made him look more powerful than he actually was. So let's look at verse 9. So King Darius signed the law. Verse 10, But throughout Daniel knew about it, but though Daniel knew about it, So it wasn't a surprise to Daniel. He knew about the law. He wasn't in agreement to it, but he knew about it. What did he do? He went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs window with the windows open towards Jerusalem. And he prayed three times a day, just as he always had, giving thanks to his God. Here we see Daniel has been promoted to the highest position There had to been times when he himself was dealing with insecurities. Daniel is leading a Mede-Persian pagan empire. He has all along proved that he was God's. He was not fallen into the deceptive pride caused by insecurity. Why? It says here that Daniel knew, verse 10 says, Daniel knew about this ridiculous law, but he went and prayed anyway. You want to know why he didn't fall into, into this deception? Because he was in the word of God. He understood that in 1 Kings 8.35, it said, and this is King Solomon wrote, When the heavens are shut up and there is no rain because they have sinned against you, when they pray towards this place and confess your name and turn from their sin because you afflict them he knows he understands that king solomon he said pray this way praise towards the kingdom look at psalms fifty-five seventeen. it says uh, king david wrote this evening and morning and at noon i pray and i cry aloud and he will hear my voice see Daniel was in the word he understood what was going on he understood that he had to be praying all the time he understood and he lived by God's word that's why he did not fall into deception himself when we stay in the word it becomes much harder for us to be deceived by the lie or even by our own insecurities because we know who we are in Christ, amen? We know who we are. If we start staying out of the word and sitting home and not focusing, watching TV, guess what? You're gonna start feeling pretty insecure. You're gonna start feeling like this world's gonna take you out. And that's not the feelings that God has for us. Daniel knew it was all God's ability to interpret dreams and to lead a nation. He always gave God the glory. And that brings us to point number two. Pride always brings regret. When you walk in pride, it will bring you to regret. Oh, it may not be right away, but you will regret it. Look at Daniel 6.11. It says, then the men thronged, it was a massive crowd, a bunch of men thronged to Daniel's house. And they found him praying there. Seeking favors from his God. Now we know, they knew the times that Daniel was going to pray. He had a routine. They weren't surprised. They said, let's go get him. Then the men, no, they rushed back to the king and reminded him about his law. Haven't you signed a degree? Haven't you signed a degree they demanded that that permits no petitions to any God or man except for you for 30 days? And anyone disobeying will be thrown to the lions. Yes, the king replied. It is a law of the Medes and the Persians that cannot be altered or revoked. Now look at verse 13. Then they told the king, this fellow Daniel, one of those Jewish captives, you know those guys, the ones who think they're better than us, they don't want to eat our you know our delicacies and they don't want to drink our wine you know those guys those Jewish boys he's paying no attention to your law and he is asking favors of his God three times a day verse 14 says hearing this the king was very angry with himself for signing the law can you see that he was he wasn't mad at Daniel he was mad at himself that he signed the law how could i have done such a thing daniel's my number one guy daniel's the one guy that i trust that's what darius saw in daniel he knew there was a problem that's regret we understand when we walk in pride we are going to regret he spent the rest of the day trying to think of some way to get daniel out of this predicament how can i do it verse 15 In the evening, the men came to the king and said, Your majesty, there is nothing you can do. You signed the law, and it cannot be changed. And that's the truth. He signed it. So verse 16, at the last, the king gave the order for Daniel's arrest to be taken to the den of lions. The king said to him, May your God, whom you worship, continually to deliver you. And then they threw him in. It's an amazing story. We know that God can save us even from the lion's den. A stone, verse 17, had been placed over the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet ring with that of his government so that no one could rescue Daniel from the lion's. Verse 18, the king returned to his place and went to bed without dinner. He refused his usual entertainment. He didn't sleep at all that night. Has, has regret ever caused you to feel that way? Okay, maybe when you weren't living as a Christian, you had too much to drink, and you were told the next morning the stupid things you said and did. Anybody remember that? I don't want to remember that. Don't ask me to remember that. But if we walk in pride, we're going to have regret. I've had sleepless nights. I don't want to be there anymore. It's terrible to be in regret. So that brings us to point number three. Pride causes spiritual blindness. It causes spiritual blindness. It causes us to not be able to see how we're walking in pride. It's a terrible thing that when we begin to get into pride and we start believing the lie and we're going along with it and we can't see. We can't see. We're spiritually blinded. Because Darius was so full of pride, whether it was because of his own insecurities or just stupidity, he was blinded and could not see at the time the lie that was intended to get rid of Daniel. Oh, he sees it now. He sees it now. Look at verse 19. It says, Very early the next morning, he hurried out to the lion's den. He cried out in, what is that word? Anguish. That's what it is. He cried out in anguish. Can you just hear him? Daniel! Did God save you? Are you alive? Daniel, the servant of the living God, has your God, whom you've worshipped continually, able to deliver you from the lions? Then he heard a voice. Then he heard a voice. Your Majesty, live forever. It's me. It's Daniel. I'm here. I'm okay. Verse 22. He says, "May God, His, my God, has sent His angel." I believe that Jesus was down there with him. He has sent his angel. He said to the lions, he said to shut the, the lions' mouths so that they couldn't touch me. For I am innocent before God, nor, sir, I have, I have wronged you, nor have I wronged you. It's so incredible what is happening here. Verse 23, The king was beside himself with joy, and he ordered, ordered Daniel to be lifted up, from, lifted from the den, and not a scratch was found on him, because he, because he believed in his God, Amen. Verse twenty-four. It says, "Then the king ensured and commanded to bring, issued a command to bring the men who had accused Daniel and threw them into the den, along with their children and wives." And the lions leaped upon them and tore them apart before they even hit the bottom of the den. You know, there's people that try to dispute the living word of God. And I don't know who could say that it's not a miracle to shut up the lives of the mouths of lions. But there are people that have actually said about this story that, well, it's because they just fed the lions. They just fed the lions. And if you feed a lion, they eat so much that they won't eat again for possibly a week. I mean, you can throw food at them, they won't eat it because they're so full. So these lions have been just fed. This was the same day. He threw him in, and that same day that he came out, they threw these other people in, and the lions jumped on them and devoured them. Those lions were hungry. We know that it was God that was in control. It is God. God is our cure for spiritual blindness. It's admitting that we are blind without God. After Daniel emerged from the lion's den, unharmed, King Darius saw God for himself and was healed of his spiritual blindness. He declared that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. Too often we allow ourselves to become spiritually blinded through our own insecurities, our own pride, It's not something we aspire to do. It just happens, and we need to pay close attention. The Holy Spirit who resides within you is your helper. He will lead you and correct you. But it's not going to help if you're not paying attention. Now, we're going to change gears a little bit here, and I'm going to take you to a New Testament scripture. This is one I know that I've preached here, but it's been a long time. I think it was probably back in 17 or 18. But this is the absolute best example found in the Bible of spiritual blindness. And I want you to pay close attention to the scripture because you're going to see some humor in it. Yes, there is humor in the Bible. There's humor in the Bible. So we're going to turn to John chapter 9. John chapter 9. We're going back to the New King James Version. Now Jesus passed by and he saw a man who was blind from birth. Wouldn't you think, after all the disciples had seen Jesus do, wouldn't you think that they would say, Oh, Jesus, here's a blind guy. Let's go healing. Let's go healing. But what do they say? The disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents, that he was born blind? Pride. That's pride. Pride they're looking at someone going oh he's got a problem he's got to have sin in his life we have people coming to church imagine you coming in and say oh they've got cancer what kind of sin do you got what could cause you to have sin i mean it's got to be a reason god just doesn't come out and afflict people we live in a lost and dying world and it happens all the time and these guys jesus was i can't believe you guys you want a theological debate instead of just asking me to heal him did i lose it great well i'm just going to go on with you can hear me okay i'll talk louder yeah i walk around too much this one's still working i can see it moving so this one this one's not probably bad batteries we all know that i failed you i didn't bring batteries to church this morning probably my prideful self said we don't need batteries anyway so his disciples they wanted to have this theological debate and jesus answered he said neither right he said neither neither this man nor his parents sinned but that the works of god should be revealed in him we have sick people in this world why because God wants them to be healed we live in a lost and dying world and people get sick all the time God wants to see them healed so he says to him it must be it must be the works of him who sent me while it is day the night is coming when no one can work as long as I am in the world I am the light of the world. Let me ask you this. Is God still in the world? Yes, he is in us. The light of the world is still here. People like to say, "See, there you go. Nothing can happen." He says here, "Well, well, while it is still day." He was talking about the crucifixion there. He was talking about what is coming for him. He now resides in us. So he says neither as long as I'm in the world, Okay, turn pages, George. Yeah, there's just too much to do up here. Maybe I should just read that. Yeah. (laughs) When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man. See, this is one thing that we don't ever picture. You don't see any pictures of Jesus going, (laughs) but that's what he did he spit on the ground and made saliva and he anointed the man's eyes and he's going to tell the man now go wash your eyes he'd say I didn't have to until you put mud on my face (laughs) but that isn't what he said look at at what happens and he said to him go wash in the pool of Siloam which is translated sent. and he went and washed and came back seen isn't that amazing he just did exactly by faith God said go wash what does he tell us to do he tells us to pray tells us to believe to stay in the word verse 8 says therefore the neighbors who were who were previously had seen that he was blind said this is social media in a day in its day who is blind says is not this who sat and begged and some said this is he Another said, He is like him. Maybe he is a twin brother we never met. He is like him. And he said, I am he. Hey, I'm right here. I'm the guy. Yeah, I'm the guy that was over there begging. They're thinking, no, this can't be the guy. Therefore, they said to him, How were your eyes opened? And he answered and said, This is your testimony. This is your testimony. A ten second testimony a man called jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me go to the pool of shalom and wash so i went and washed and i received my sight then they said to him well where is he i don't know i was blind when he left i don't know where he is i'm just telling you what happened and we each have that same testimony i was blind and i could not see until i accepted him and now i can see Verse 13 says, They brought him who was formerly blind to the Pharisees. Now he's in trouble. Now he's in trouble. The Pharisees. Verse 14, Now it was a Sabbath. Oh, there's the problem, guys. It was a Sabbath. Breaking their rules. It was the Sabbath. When Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also asked him again, how how he received his sight and he said to them got a little shorter he didn't even bother to go he went he just said he put clay on my eyes and i washed and i see it's as simple as that but they didn't want to take it so therefore some of the pharisees said this man is not from god because he does not keep the sabbath This man, this Jesus you're talking about, he can't be from God. He doesn't keep the Sabbath. Others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such things? And there was a division among them. Do you realize we have division in churches today over the same thing? Churches will be in division. Oh, that Pastor George says he speaks in tongues. Oh, that's just, that's horrible. And there's other people that, that don't accept it, that don't believe that. Division amongst the church, so just not simply believing the living word of God. They said to the blind man again, what do you say about him because he had opened your eyes? He said, I love this guy. He's a prophet. He's got to be a prophet of God. I mean, look, I've been born blind and I'm seeing, I can see. It's absolutely amazing. But the Jews did not believe concerning him. That he had been blind and received his sight so let's call his parents let's ask them let's ask them who what's going on who had the the parents of the man who had received his sight and they asked them saying is this your son who was born blind how then does he now see and his parents they're great and I love them too they said they answered and they said well we know this is our son that we know And that he was born blind. That's what we do know. They had a great opportunity to share a testimony about the power of Jesus Christ. But they chose not. And we're going to talk about why. By what means he now sees we do not know. They didn't want to give Jesus the credit or the glory. Or who opened his eyes we do not know. For he is of age. Ask him he's old enough he'll speak for himself they were totally bailing out why would they do that can you imagine your son or your daughter being born blind from birth an amazing man of god touched this this child of yours and now he sees but this is why his parents said these things because they feared the jews for the jews have agreed already that if anyone confessed that he it was christ they'd be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. I kind of have a little mercy for them. They had a great opportunity to share the power of the living God, but they chose not to, but they were living in fear. So again, they called the man who was blind. And they said to him, Give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. We want you to give God in heaven and glory. This guy you call Jesus here, he's a sinner. But listen to this man. I love this. I can't wait to meet him in heaven. He answered and said, Whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know that though I was blind, now I see. This is what your testimony is. How do you live this way? Elias, how do you live this way as a Christian? You know, how do you do this? I don't know, man. I was blind once and now I see. That's all I can tell you. I heard the living word of God. I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And now I can see. Now I can see. And this is the testimony that people need to hear. When they said to him again, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? This I love. And he answered them, I told you already. And you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples? I just love this guy. Yeah, I'll tell you again. But you want to become his disciples. Then they reviled him and said, You are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, I think it's the first time in the Bible I heard him uh, refer to Jesus as a fellow. As for this fellow, we do not know where he's from. Now, you've got to pay attention. This man who was blind from birth, I guarantee you, he spent every Sabbath in the temple. Because listen to the words that he has to say. He said, the man answered. Okay, the man is the blind man who was blind. Answered and said to them, why, this is a marvelous thing that you do not know where he is from. Yet he has opened my eyes. What a marvelous thing that you can sit here and say you don't know that he is the son of God and he has opened my eyes. He said, we know that God has, does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. This is what the blind man was saying. Incredible. Incredible theology. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. And that's the absolute truth. This is the first time that it was ever heard of in the world that a man born blind his eyes were open if this man were not from God he could do nothing he's still speaking to them and they answered and they said to him you were completely born in sins are you teaching us then they cast him out they cast him out He said are you are you trying to teach us and jesus heard that they had cast him out let me tell you this if you ever get kicked out of a religious organization jesus will come and find you he's not going to leave you he did it right here jesus heard that they had cast him out when he when he found him he said do you believe in the son of god He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? These are the most profound words in the Bible as far as I'm concerned. And Jesus said, You have both seen him and it's he who is talking to you right now. That's incredible. Then he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I have come into the world, and those who do not see may see, and that those who see may be made blind. And some of the Pharisees who were there, they heard these words and said to him, Are we blind also? Bingo. Yeah, you hit, hit the nail on the head. You're blind. You're blind. And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. Do you understand that? Pay attention to what, what Jesus is saying here. If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, we see, therefore your sin remains. Before I knew that Jesus would wash my sins away, before I'd ever confessed that I was a Christian, Why would it be a sin if I didn't know it was a sin? I was blind. I was doing the things I was doing, even though it had direct impact on my life. I had no idea that how it was impacting me. But now, I wasn't going around saying, I see and I know what I'm doing is right, because I see that's what these Pharisees were doing. They were saying that we see. Whoops. Is that the last slide? I guess it is. So Jesus was was telling them. Yeah, it is. It is the last slide. I went back to my notes and look. I don't know. I think next time I think I'll let Tony handle the slides. I know, it's kind of kind of weird, you know, doing both sides. But it worked, right? We proved that it worked. Yeah, I've been a lot better we need to understand that we were blind we were blind and because we have accepted him we now see and Satan wants to deceive us to thinking that we're not good enough that that we're not righteous enough that we don't do enough that people don't tell me that you know they don't tell me that I'm good enough so I, I must not be good enough that's a lie that's a lie you are good enough you're the righteousness of god and we that's how we stay not being spiritual blinded we start believing the lie that that we're just not good enough that we're just you know i i just got to get better i'll go back to church when i quit doing the things i'm doing it's a lie it's a lie from the pit of hell you are the righteousness of god and if you're not then he's asking you to come And accept him as your Lord and Savior. And be the righteousness of God. And your sins will be completely washed away. Your past, your present. Even your future sins. Even my future sins. None of us are perfect. Nor will we ever be. But he loves us. And he doesn't want us to walk in spiritual blindness. Darius was blinded because he believed the lie. And if it wasn't for God, it would have cost Daniel his life. And I guarantee you, Darius would have regretted it for a long, long time. Now next week we're going to see, we're going to go into King Cyrus, which is the next king. This is a Persian rule. The Persians actually took over the whole show. And King Darius or Cyrus is an amazing king. And we're going to talk about that next week.